I'm kind of an idiot. I'm a dumb guy. Brian, you don't have to keep trying so hard to impress me. I already really like you. Your midweek download destination. I told you about Brian. I told you. Come on, man. Brian was just making a joke. I'm so lucky to have met you, Brian. You're such an amazing guy. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Note to self, don't change for anyone. Note to self, don't die. Welcome in, everybody. This is the supposedly for-profit venture known as the Stone On Air Podcast. February, just like that, I told you, get up and run off without you three quarters of the way through. It's the weekly dose for the 21st of February, 2018. At Stone On Air on social media, thank you for finding the show. I almost decided not to do a show this week, but I couldn't let that (laughs) pre-production open go unused. It took me too long to put together. I hope you had your hand over your heart, and if you wear a hat, I hope you kindly removed it from your head and stood at attention and salute to the great star-spangled banner honoring this incredibly respectable, wonderful country. And I do say that flippantly, but I don't mean it that way entirely. I do think it's a great country. I do think it's a great song. I think it's a song that means something. I don't think God Bless America means anything. I don't take my hat off for God Bless America. don't think it it, it should be held at the same kind of standard as the Star-Spangled Banner. The Star-Spangled Banner has historical value 
value historical meaning to uh, the foundation and the construction, if you will, of uh, of, of of America. So um, I threw that out there because I, the Fergie thing at the NBA All Star Game, you at least probably saw that on a social media feed somewhere, or, uh, some kind of headline clickbait deal and. I don't care one second how you do or don't perform the national anthem, but it got me thinking about some of the absolute worst ones. Of course, Roseanne Barr was in there, Scott Stapp, uh, Steven Tyler, and uh, the the worst one there was Carl Lewis. Well, maybe not the worst. Roseanne was probably the worst, but Carl Lewis, uh, I think he was a, a, a runner, right? Like in the Olympics or something. I don't remember. Anyway, and if I had more time, I could have made it even better, but I didn't have time to comb through all the different awful renditions of that song over the years. But this idea that you can't sing it in a different way, uh, it's disrespectful, that's dumb. That's made up fake stuff that uh, generationally people just said and just because they felt like it. Uh, the whole idea of disrespecting the flag, like it can't touch the ground, flags touch the ground all the time, or it's got to be folded a certain way. Now, if you're in a military situation, some kind of salute, some kind of, um, uh, funeral or burial uh, kind of situation in, in, a, in a, an official capacity uh, amongst the armed forces and you want to follow some kind of protocol, good for you, do that, I'm all for it, and, uh, and keep it up. But my piece of crap nylon flag that I have hanging out at, at my house right now, uh, if I don't, if I want to leave it up when it's raining, I'm not taking it down. If I if I do take it down because it's all ratted and needs to be thrown away, I'm not going to quote unquote discard it the right way. I'm going to put it in the garbage can. It's a piece of nylon made in China. Give me a break. So. A lot of those little stupid kind of things, can't wear the flag, can't wear a, a it can't be a garment of, of, of clothing. Yes, it can. Stop it. It's dumb. You know, d- d- stop, stop being dumb and stop following generational nonsense. Uh, it doesn't mean you don't respect the country or respect the flag or respect the people in it or things that it stands for uh, necessarily. You might not respect anything, and you might do that as a way to just piss somebody off, but just because a, a t- flag touches the ground, the Sean White thing at the Olympics. Are you kidding me? That guy just killed it at the Olympics. What did he do? Hell, I don't know. I didn't watch it. What is What does he do exactly? I guess he's a snowboarder, right? Hell, I don't know. But he, he set some kind of damn records, and all these saw the next day was he let the flag touch the damn snow in Korea. Shut up. Find a, get a hobby. Go do something. Go find a date. Go do something you know productive with your life and stop being dumb. All right. <laughs> Wasn't planning on going down that road. I just started uh, uh, talking out loud, which is what this whole show is mainly going to be about. Part of the reasons why I was considering not doing a show is because um, I am going to Tullahoma for the middle and the end of the of this week, the third week of February, for some day job stuff. And I leave early in the morning, and I went out to my new gig that I just um, obtained in the last week. I haven't mentioned a word to anybody about it. On Tuesday night, the 20th of February, to quote-unquote train, really it was just to get the lay of the land of the situation that I'm what I'm doing and what I'm going to be doing officially starting on let me pull up the calendar why while I speak into the microphone which is totally what they don't want you to do in the world of radio and it's not pulling up on me why is this not doing it anyway it's Tuesday the 27th just to do the damn math in my head the 28th is is the final Wednesday of the month the 27th would be Tuesday and so this point forward every Tuesday night I am going to be hosting live team trivia at the feed uh, over off Main Street. Feed company, feed and ta- feed to table, feed and table, whatever they call it exactly. I just call it the feed. 
And um, I got a call from a dear long friend of mine who is a managing partner, uh, general manager. She's one of she's the person. She's the dude. And um, their guy doing it is moving to Austin, Texas. His name's Kellen. I don't remember his last name. Kellen, I believe. He's popular. I know that. They like him over there. So I went over tonight, uh, which would be Tuesday night, to just kind of figure out what I'm going to be doing. And then I didn't get home too late, and then I'm leaving town in the morning. But I just I could not do it because, first of all, I'm a little excited about this because I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. But let me back up. I didn't quite finish my thought. So Heather, uh, the who runs the feed, she called me about a week ago and said, hey, this guy's leaving. She had mentioned it to me when in drunk talk before in the past. And I was just like, yeah, you know, whatever, maybe. And she said, could you come by and, and see what he does, and can you do it from now on? And I and I, she said, I said, well, what does it pay? Obviously, it's the first question. And it's a nice it's a nice dollar amount. It's worth my time. So I, I went by tonight on this, this Tuesday, and really what I found out was is I get to do whatever I want. This has now become my quote-unquote show, if that's what you want to call it. My game, my, my promotion, my night. Uh, set up. Set up the, the the structure of the game however you want. I've been playing live team trivia since I was about 29, 30 years old, almost on a weekly basis. So I'm pretty excited about it. I can structure the game however I want, play music, talk, try to be you know not overly annoying to the people who might have just come for dinner and didn't realize they were going to have somebody talking into a microphone for two hours. But for now, from this point forward on Tuesday nights, I will be out at the feed doing live team trivia. I would love to see you out there. Now, what this does is, is it completely changes everything about my um, my schedule. Because every Tuesday night is when I do all my podcast production and work, and it takes up the entire night for a Wednesday uh, release. And I think I'm going to have to change that. So it, I don't know yet. I think I'll still be Wednesday next week, but it looks like I'm probably going to go to a Tuesday release date uh, for the weekly dose. Instead of Wednesdays, do it every Tuesday. I think that's what it's going to have to happen. Um, I'm not entirely sure about that. I'd love to hear from you uh, at Stone on Air, Stone on Air at gmail.com. If for some reason you don't like the sound of that or you think it even sounds better, in the end, it, we're just still talking about a podcast you listen to whenever you want. But it is a little bit of dated material. I do a show unlike most, almost anybody, at least in this city for sure. Um, it is dated material, and sometimes it doesn't work. Two weeks later, sometimes if it's not within a handful of days of a news cycle, it's just old news. So I'm going to kick that around for a little bit and see where that goes. Coming up on today's show, I'm, I'm not going to go quite as aggressive at a few things that I was going to get into because I'm just not in, in the mood anymore. When I put together the show of sheets and the and the the, the you know the few pieces of paper I do print out and the few highlights I do make, I had a lot of, of asterisks and a lot of highlights, and I was ready and re- ready to let it rip. And now after a, a, a pretty fun night and cool, interesting uh, uh, new gig and people that I've met. I'm in a pretty good mood, and I don't really feel like doing all that stuff. So the final segment of the show will be where I was planning on getting into it pretty pretty thick. And as you, I hope, have come to realize, I do try to be as fair as possible, even though as most of you know where I stand on things. But shooting and guns, and when it is right to finally discuss what our issues in our country are. And when when is that quote-unquote right time? Like, hey, we can't, it's too early, can't talk about it now, can't talk about it now. And it looks like things might have finally changed just a little bit as to when that particular time actually is. And also, mix into that, the thoughts and prayers thing has run its course. It's time for you guys to find, and I don't mean you guys, it's time for everybody out there who does this thing every time, needs to stop. 
It's run its course. It doesn't serve anything. It's more condescending than it is sympathetic. Thoughts and prayers. Enough. Stop that. Come up with some new material. And in Stone's Throw, communication has changed. I don't have to tell you that. We all know that. And in Stone's Throw, I'm going to explain how talking on the phone is a thing of the past and how that is a good thing. A few more things before I get to that. One more thought on the, the, the new gig at the feed and then the gig at the radio station and then the, the gig in the, in, the, in the beer business. It is, it is quite remarkable how much, uh, how much things can change in, in six months and in a year and a half more specifically. I went from having a couple of gigs a year and a half ago that I had some creative freedom. I, I liked, didn't love, enjoyed, but you know, kind of still longed for a little bit more, but still, uh, still appreciated how much creative uh, of an outlet I had between the two jobs, more specifically the old uh, stay, Talk Radio 102.3 gig that I had for so long. It was one of those you you don't know much else, so you 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 just you love what you got, right? Well, that all went away. You guys know that. And then a year and a half later, and more specifically in the last six months, I have now gained three gigs, three jobs, three income revenue generating jobs that all three in their own unique way allow me one hundred percent complete and full creative freedom. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. However I want with all three of these gigs, two of them are more important than the other, but it's true across the board. And not only are these three gigs left up to me and how they're handled and how they're executed and the procedures and all that, it's at a considerable percentage more in income than I've ever had before. It's pretty damn cool. It's pretty damn cool. And I've talked about how... 1988 is my first year of actual vivid memories. 1998 was the first year I thought, as an adult or close to it, damn, that was an incredibly fun and just eventful year. 2008 was the best year of my later 20s, further fully completed adult life memories of just an incredible year. And the year I just came off of in 2017 was solid. And right now, 2018 starting to rock, too. It's a 10-year thing. 88, 98, 08, and now 18. I am determined to make sure that this year is as good as I've ever had. And so far, so good. So, a couple of things that I want to get to before I get to Stone's Throw. We'll start with the Revelry Room. And I am disappointed and saddened, really, to be honest with you, that the, the venue closed the way it did uh, likely you know they're closed as of the 17th of this month. It'll reopen on February 27th or 28th, a 10-day stretch to rebrand, redecorate, remodel, whatever they're going to do, and Songbirds is taking it over. Why are these things happening? I have some ideas. I, some of them are probably close to correct. Some of them probably are not. No reason to get into any of that. But what I hate is, is that I, be, I really think that room didn't get as, enough recognition. I think it did get a, a lot of recognition from those in the know and those you know, industry types. But from outside looking in who might not go out as much as they used to or some younger bands or people that don't quite understand or appreciate what they're looking at all that much, that was a, a perfect venue for this city. It was a, a good size the capacity was solid. It was a good room. It was a comfortable room. It was a good stage. It was a good backstage area. It was in a 100-plus-year-old building, and they did all they could do to make it a contemporary 
state-of-the-art, small club, rock show experience. And I think they did a damn good job of it. Monica Kinsey and and Drew, Drew and all everybody. I, I, I can't even begin to try to get everybody's names because I can't remember half of them. And I'll never uh, be able to remember on the fly like this. But they did a really good job. I think the Hush Lounge was such a great concept and cool idea for off nights or before shows for a good craft cocktail, uh, good craft beer, with uh, a comfortable atmosphere, couches, and, and, a, and an interesting decor. A little, it's, it's like vintage mixed with um, odd color combinations. I really, really, really liked it. And they had some really good shows there. And I was involved with some, some events that were there, from the, you know, the, the collab stuff from three years ago to uh, me and Nathan Gale uh, covering the Dead Dead show by doing some backstage and video stuff. And it was, it, it was a lot of fun. And a lot of good music came in and out of there. And I think it set the pace for the way Station Street has evolved into what it is. Songbirds, I'm sure, will do a great job as they take over and it becomes or it remains a music venue. I do believe that it will be it'll be a quality place to go see music. I just I'm I'm concerned it won't be the same. Well, let me rephrase that. I know it won't be the same. The question is, you know, will I like it? I think the answer to that is, yeah, of course. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna like it. I mean, it's 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 a cool concept. I'm just not sure if it's a better concept than what is already there. And I thought the two complemented each other working together. But you know what? It isn't my wallet. It isn't my property. It isn't my headache. It isn't my job. I was just a guy who liked to go there and have some gin and tonics and some light beer and watch rock and roll shows. And hopefully in the future at Songbirds, that will continue. I'm just a little disappointed that it didn't get a proper farewell, a good local show to, to, to show Thanks to to Monica and the Kinseys and everybody who worked hard to put shows together there. It didn't have the historical significance that demanded that kind of thing, but I do think it deserved it, and it didn't get it, and it got a Journey cover band on the way out. That was just a happenstance. That just happened to be the day and the last show, and, uh, you know, what what can you do? What can you do? But I appreciate everything everybody's done over there and uh, for that property all the way around, and I wish nothing but the best for Songbirds going forward. Speaking of going forward, rock shows and things that I appreciate, that same night, that final night of the Revel Room was the opening night, the soft open, a little bit open to more than just friends and family and industry types. It was open up to uh, to the public, but it wasn't it wasn't there wasn't a lot of promotion behind it. They didn't want a huge crowd, and then they stopped giving out tickets and called it a, sell- a sellout. It wasn't a sellout, but they just stopped. Uh, allowing any more in because they wanted to keep they didn't want it overflowing in there and they wanted things to go smoothly and the communicators played tj and jonathan sussman and uh hell i know half the band i can't remember there uh, brett nolan list goes on and on and on uh bexy you you get the idea they played their show like they always do it was good it was fine i've seen them many times sounded pretty good um lots of i knew almost half of everybody in the room so tons of small talk all night some of that was okay some of that i knew it was i knew i was getting myself into so it was all right but i gotta say it was an incredible room i said it on the radio the other day during the break i said this it comes down one word one word describes that night that first one night of being in that building being in that room being in that music space the signal incredible it's simply incredible it is very much like the orange peel, if you've ever been to that in Asheville, North Carolina. Not renowned for how awesome of a room it is necessarily. It is an awesome room, but that's not necessarily why people uh, recognize it. It's more because of just the amazing acts they've put in there over the years. 
So there's, there's nothing that jumps off the page. It is keep it simple, stupid, but it's it it just works. It just works. Um, from just the restroom facilities are incredibly uh, immaculate and new and 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 ample, just huge. Uh, plenty of space. Two huge bars down each side of the building, and as opposed to Track Twenty Nine, which was long and narrow, this is uh, wide and short. Um, not saying one is necessarily better than the other, but I think this model does work a little bit better. It's got a balcony, which is limited area. Uh, if you can get a seat up there, then you're in, you're in a good spot with a bar, little mini bar upstairs too. It's a great place, great place, and it's gonna be uh, it's it's gonna be great for the city and the and the music scene. So. One door closes, another one opens here in Chattanooga, Tennessee in the live music scene. Stop calling me on the phone. Or if you're going to call me, at least arrange it so I know it's coming. Stone's Throw. Heads up. It's Stone's Throw. Wait, what? Oh, whoa. Back up the truck. Beep, beep. What are you talking about? Is technology making us mentally ill? Look at me. I'm stupid. I can't do math. This is not making sense to the young adult anymore, and they're tired of it. Does that satisfy you? Are you satisfied now? Now, I don't know if my dad still listens to the podcast with regularity. My guess is he probably doesn't, because that's just not really his thing. You know, sometimes if you're just not into a certain thing, you're not ever going to get into it. And I get that, and I don't, you know, I, I hope everybody in the world listens to it. I don't take offense if you don't. Uh, I love you to death if you do. But uh, if you don't want to listen, you don't want to listen. I, I get that. There's plenty of stuff I don't want to listen to, too, and it doesn't mean I don't like you. But this all started with him because he likes to talk on the phone. Uh, as much as you would expect a baby boomer to do because that's what they grew up. That was their line of communication. That was a very, very relevant and valid way to communicate and technology for a very, 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 very long time. And even when new technologies came around, like fax machines and then eventually email, just you know, when it was just standalone email and, uh, and, and still with traditional uh, snail mail, phone calls and phone calling and the reason for them stayed very, very relevant for a very long time. And those days are over. It's done with. And it's been over for the most part, but it's finally hit me recently. Don't call me. There is no chance, none chance whatsoever, that you're going to pick up the phone and call me at a time when it's convenient for me to pick up the phone and talk to you back without knowing that you're calling and without knowing why that you're calling. And even if you don't realize that you're living your life this way too, I bet you are. And you just didn't quite realize it. Because I like a good conversation, and I'm all about sitting around talking about something. And it can be on the phone, but it has to be scheduled. It has to be known in advance that it's coming. I don't mean days or weeks, uh, hours. Hey, are you free tonight? You want to talk around 10? Sure, give me a ring. We'll talk for 20 minutes. You know, if it's somebody who lives out of town, a few people over the years I've had like that, it might be closer to an hour. I'm cool with that, but I had to know it was coming. I had to be prepared to have that phone call. Oh, hey, look, look who's calling. I'm going to answer the phone. No, I'm not. I'm never going to answer the phone if you call me out of the blue for no, out of nowhere. In work situations, it's different. And a few few other examples with your kids, I get it. If your kids are calling, and it's depending on their ages or their situations, that's different. I'm talking about adult behavior and activity here. 
and even more so in a work environment, I find it very, very strange that anybody would pay anybody to answer any phone calls. Now, that has mostly gone away. I've still worked for up until now. Companies that still answer their own phones. People still value that in some settings. But why in the hell would you do that? Why is it taking so long to finally... Why isn't the phone call automated? Now I want the phone call automated. Remember the thing for so many years was, oh my God, I'm going to have to go through these menus to try to find something, figure something out. I want that. Because whoever answers the phone on the other end, I need them to know why I'm calling. Now it's a little annoying, I get it, but... You know, whatever. I'm annoyed every other minute of my life. <laughs> if if I if I tried to eliminate the annoyances in my life, I'd have to move to Norway, or you know, bury myself uh, in a cave somewhere if I don't want to be annoyed by everything. So people need to know why you're calling. And I've never understood the concept in the last 20 years of uh, well, we'll say more like 10. We'll say more like 10 years that somebody's going to call an office building, an establishment anywhere for that matter, call somebody and ask them to talk to somebody else, like forwarding a call or directing a call. Wait, you called me, but you didn't call to talk to me. You called to talk to somebody else. Why the hell didn't you just call the person you needed to talk to? Better yet, why didn't you text them or email them or something other than this? Why are you wasting my time? Hey, is so-and-so there? I need to talk to him. Uh, I don't know, asshole. Call them. So it's really an annoyance, and it's rude. It is a new version of rude. Oh, he didn't He didn't answer his phone. What a rude ass. No, you're rude. You called me, and I didn't know why. And in the, in the days of back in the day when you would people would interrupt conversations they're having in real time, sitting right there in front of you, and take phone calls when you're in the middle of something else, is about a rude an activity as you can do. Now, right now, having the trouble with people texting in the middle of phone conversations because I know you're not paying attention to me. That's a whole other podcast for another day. Stop texting while you're talking to me. You can't do both effectively. But I'll put that over there and leave it and pick it back up another time. But so I was looking at a couple blogs. This is from Wired, guy who wrote it, just, you know, blog piece. Clive Thompson is the dude's name. My phone bills are shrinking, not unfortunately in cost. I mean, they're getting shorter. I recently found an old bill from a decade ago. It was fully 15 pages long. Today, my bills are a meager two or three pages at most. We're moving towards a fascinating cultural transition, the death of the telephone call. This younger generation doesn't make phone calls. And he's just generalizing with the younger generations. It means, it means millennials and young Gen Xers like myself. They're doing this because everyone is in constant, lightweight contact in so many other ways. Texting, chatting, and social media network messaging. And we don't just have more options than we used to. We have better ones. These new forms of communication have exposed the fact that the voice call is badly designed. It deserves to die. Consider, if I decide to just dial you up, I have no way of knowing whether you're busy. And you have no idea why I'm calling. Voice calls are emotionally high bandwidth which is why it's so weirdly exhausting to be interrupted by one, which we apparently find that voicemail is even more excruciating. Studies show that more than a fifth of all voice messages are never listened to. One of the responses in that blog piece, an unsolicited phone call can be just as jarring as someone barging into the room and bombarding you with questions. The first 30 seconds of a phone call must be set aside just to establish who is calling, why they are calling, and what they want. Now, I don't predict that phone calls will ever disappear entirely, but it seems that the etiquette surrounding it will continue to change. Already, it's becoming rude to just call someone out of the blue. No email warning, 
No text? What if I was napping? The rules are changing. It's the end of the phone call as we know it. But is that really such a bad thing? And of course, no. The answer is no. It's not a bad thing. Stop calling people. Not unless you have a reason to and they and they are expecting this phone call. It is rude. Now, if you have a relationship with people in your life where it's no big deal, that's fine. You live your life however you want. But I'm telling you, even if you didn't realize it, I guarantee you, you're starting to feel that too. You see the phone ringing. Oh, jeez, what the hell does this person want? What am I supposed to do? Stop what I'm doing and take this phone call and just blindly, find, you know, get blindsided by something here? No, don't do that. There's no reason to do that. All right, on the way out here, I was trying to find a cool song that would go close. I'm waiting by the phone. I'm waiting for someone to call me and tell me I'm not alone. I want somebody to shove me. It's Soul Asylum from 1993's Brave Dancers Union. I appreciate you guys finding the most listened to, the most downloaded, the most easily accessible podcast in the city of Chattanooga. Like, share, and always love. Rate and review if you get a chance. Coming up next, when is the right time, the best time, the correct time, the most thoughtful time to talk about gun violence in America? And seriously, guys, thoughts and prayers. Get new material. Stop saying it. That's coming up next. It's also, uh, it's nice to have been out of America for the last couple weeks because in America, uh, what we do for fun, because uh, we're kind of an advanced uh, culture, and, and, and that is that we give each other guns and we all kill one another. Because it's fucking fun. Anyways, uh, here's a couple songs about uh, Americans killing one another. First one's called Rifle. All my rivals will see what I have in store with my gun. I've been harboring fleets in this reservoir. And this nation is about to explode. Your disciples are riddled with metaphors. Your disciples are riddled with metaphors. Better pony up and bring both your barrel fulls, not just one. As we release this unspeakable toll. Every grain of sand equals all the stars and everyone. Welcome back to the show. And I, I don't know why it's such an emotional thing 
this this argument. I, I get why it's emotional on the side of the people who are wanting to, to regulate and restrict and whatever they want to do with guns. I get why why it's so emotional to them because well, people are you know dying and stuff. You know, it's kind of sad. It's really not all that cool. You know, um, I don't get it. Why on the other end, when people get so mad, who people who love guns so much? Um, not many people are interested in taking away everybody's guns. That, that, that that's the MG, uh, the MAGA types. That's the the dullards and the numb nuts. Well, they ain't taking my guns. No one's coming for your guns, dipshit. Uh, you know, and, that, and I'm not even gonna entertain that conversation. That's not what this is about. Um, this is about when it's okay to talk about these kinds of things, and I'll get to that in a second. But first, I just want to from this is a non ideological point. This is a non political point. This is just an anecdotal personal opinion of mine and my opinion is i fucking hate guns i hate them i hate every one of them i hate small guns i hate really big guns i hate ones that shoot a lot at once i hate ones that shoot only a couple times and then have to be reloaded i hate muskets i hate anything that fires and if it hits something the chances are more likely than not to kill that person or living thing. I don't like them. They scare me. All right. That's just the bottom line. And if you left it up to me and this would be foolish and I would be emotionally irrational about it because it is an emotionally charged opinion of mine. If it were solely up to me, there wouldn't be a damn gun available to a one of you. Now, the good news for you and the you the listener and you the generalized you and the gun loving public and the NRA and the Republican party and any, and all the hunters and all the whatever shooters, skill shooters. Good news for you is it isn't up to me. It's not up to me. And when I say all that, I don't truly really mean it. I don't think guns should be outlawed. I'm just giving you a fake, for instance, a hypothetical that's not possible to give you a, a, a realistic understanding of how against these pieces of machinery that I am. I hate them. They scare me. I, if, if, the, if somebody in the room has a gun, I'm leaving. No one's allowed in my house with a gun on their person. You are leaving. I do not go to events or open spaces that allow guns to be present. Period. End of story. As Jim Place would say, end of verse. That all being said, I get it. You like your guns. We don't shouldn't take away guns, but we have a, an incredibly insanely out of control problem as is pretty much per usual with all the problems that this country has created through it, our our unbridled freedom. And I like freedom and I don't want to give it up. So I get all that. Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy speaking in front of the house just a week ago. Let me just note once again for my colleagues that this happens nowhere else other than the United States of America, this epidemic of mass slaughter, this scourge of school shooting after school shooting. It only happens here not because of coincidence, not because of bad luck, but as a consequence of our inaction. We are responsible for a level of mass atrocity that happens in this country with zero parallel anywhere else. As a parent, it scares me to death that this body doesn't take seriously the safety of my children. And it seems like a lot of parents in South Florida are going to be asking that same question later today. 
So the question is, when are you allowed to talk about it? When is it okay? When is it not being insensitive to talk about all of this? Uh, obviously, the ways to to try to stop this kind of thing is almost virtually impossible, right? I mean, we all mostly get that when we get rational about it. You can't stop this, but you can start doing things to get your out-of-control problems under control at least somewhat. Of course, people are still going to die. Of course, of course, people are still going to do drugs. Of course, of course, people are going to be prescribed too heavily to medication. But doesn't mean you don't just you just ignore that you have a major problem, right? I mean, you still need to address it in some form or fashion. Not exactly sure what that is yet. Why does it happen everywhere? I've done this show ten thousand times. Why does why does it happen everywhere? Because why does these kinds of things not happen anywhere else? Because we're the only country that allows it. We're the only country that allows freedom to 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 go out of control. And that's a consequence of being able to live free. But the question is, when is it okay to talk about this? And you regularly hear the can we not just let these families give these families time to grieve? Listen, Budro, the shooting victims' families, children, men and women, little kids, adolescents, teenagers, concert goers that get killed in mass shootings. The family members, the immediate ones especially, but more than that, friends and family, will be grieving this for the rest of their lives. What, do you think in a week or two, just because you've forgotten about it, that everybody who's close to it also did? No, you don't care about it anymore. You don't think about it anymore. They will think about it for the rest of their lives. And the majority of people who have an, have a, an agenda to push on this and want to just never have the conversation, period, use that. Again, this is a, a new get some new material into this segment at the end of the show here. The people who say that, oh, I can't, we just got to let give it some time. How dare you uh, talk about this at such a, 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 a sensitive time? The reason they do that is because they know you're going to forget. They know you're going to forget. They know we're all going to forget. That Las Vegas shooting was just back in October. Anybody outside of the state of Nevada thought about that recently? Anybody decided to go on CNN or YouTube channel or, or some talk show and say, hey, I'm still just so upset about the Las Vegas shooting. We need to talk about this. No, of course that doesn't happen. Everybody understands this, and that's part of the whole deflection. Just put it off as long as you can, and they'll forget about it. That The, the woman who was shot, young girl, news reporter in Virginia, Three or four years ago, one of the most horrifying stories I've ever technically covered because I was live on the air as it was happening. I watched the video on Twitter. The dude posted the live video. I happened to get it before it was taken down. I watched a woman get shot in HD, like first-person shooter video game style. One of the most horrifying things I've ever seen. Her dad vowed, I wish I remember their names. I'm so sorry, I can't remember their names. Her dad vowed he would never stop fighting. He might still be fighting, but nobody's listening. Why? Because nobody cares about that anymore. That's old. That doesn't matter. That doesn't scare us anymore. We're not worried about that. We forgot about that. We are an out of sight, out of mind culture. If it's not right there and it didn't just happen, we don't care about it anymore. And the people who don't want to talk about this know. So they just continue to say, how dare you talk about it? I'm here to tell you the best time. You want to know when the most effective and best time to talk about this is? Minutes after it happened. Within a day after it happening. When it's a brand new story. That's when the most effective time to have that conversation is maybe a little cool down period because it's so emotional, but this whole, yeah, we, their families are grieving. They're going to be grieving for the rest of their life. Shut up with that. Now's the time right now. Now's the time. The time is now talk about it now because in two weeks, something else stupid's going to happen and we won't be talking about it anymore. And then in two months after that, 
Somebody else is going to blow away a whole room and building full of people, and then we'll do all this all over again. Oh, how dare you talk about it? This sensitive time. Shut up. This is the most important time to talk about this. And then I'm going to wrap this up because I got to get, I got to wrap, close up shop and go hang out in beautiful Tullahoma, Tennessee for a couple of days. Sure, it'll be an exciting night at the Holiday Inn. But the thoughts and prayers thing. Uh, 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 stop it. Stop. It's closer to a condescension than it is a sympathetic string of words or a, or a Twitter post or a Facebook post. Stop. Oh, and first of all, too, you have thoughts? Now's the time. Let's hear it. You don't have any thoughts. What are you thinking? Tell me what you're thinking. And you're not praying either. Now, I know some people probably are too, but the average jerk-off putting, oh, my thoughts and prayers, these politicians and whoever the hell else, do you think they're sitting down and, and saying a prayer, putting you know, hands, hands together up against their face, down on their knees at the bed? Dear God, of course they're not. It's fashionable. It looks good. They think people look at that and say, oh, look at how nice that guy or, or girl or woman is. Man, those people care. They are good, genuine people. They care. They don't give a damn any more or less than anybody else does. Yes, of course, nobody they're upset. Nobody wants to see something tragic like that happen. But stop it with the thoughts and prayers thing. It's, it's a backhanded, uh, sympathetic move. And it reeks closer of, of being condescending than it does of being, of being sympathetic. And I, and I don't say this just from non-believers. I say this from, from all walks of religious life and, and different religious practices and beliefs. It's tired. It's old. It looks bad. This keeps happening. And you just keep saying thoughts and prayers. Quit it. Come up with something new. Get some new material. In all walks of life, can we just get some new material? Maybe an original thought once in a while? Jeez. Weez. All right. I don't care if you love guns, hate guns. Love God, hate God, worship the sun, worship a frog. I, I mean, I, I'm not concerned about any of that. I just wish the approach wasn't just so wasn't so full of so much idiocy and lunacy. And part of that is this is because it's so highly emotional. And I do get that, and I respect that, and I appreciate that uh, enough to to try to take that into account. But at the end of the day, is you've got to come up with something. New. All right, that's it. I got to go, guys. I appreciate it. This is an exciting time, and uh, your support means everything. And um, hopefully I'll know within a week or two whether I'm going to move the day to a Tuesday and I'll, I'll and what that means and how the structure of the show goes. Maybe I'll do a, a whole freshen up of everything and, and maybe change the, the format around a little bit. I don't really know. I don't really know. It's uh, it, As much as an exciting time for things that I do know, it's an exciting time for the things that I don't know as well. On the way out with one of my favorite Cracker songs, can I take my gun up to heaven? I'll check it with St. Peter at the gate. Do not be a fraud. The truth is easy to remember. You know the whole spiel. Just be cool to each other. Just be cool all the way around. If you listen to this and you like me, then I already think you're damn cool. We'll do it again soon. Next week, probably Wednesday again, and then uh, it'll still be once a week. That's not going away. And still getting ready for the tour stop in Washington, D.C. in April. Appreciate you guys more than you know. Take care. We'll do it again soon. Bye.